You know, and I don't think it's any mistake that uh, the Heidelberg Catechism number six was left on the bulletin today. It says, did God create man so wicked and perverse? And the answer is no. God created man a good and in his image, that is, in a true righteousness and holiness, so that he might rightly know God, his creator, heartily love him, and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him. Um, Christ has restored us to that. And oftentimes we forget about that because we're still in a battle with sin. You know, your sins pop up, you know. But he's given us a place to confess those sins and then be cleansed of them so that we can continue on in ever-growing closer to God, that relationship that he's restored for us. It's a guaranteed relationship restoration. And so he's told us, he's told us in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is about us. This is about Gentiles. So we were grafted into Israel. Before we were separated, but now we're included. We have a lot of learning to do because we came out of darkness and ignorance. But God is calling us into his light. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that's a wonderful thing to be forgiven your sins to be lifted into the, the light of God's glory. Um, and God, you know, now that we know the people that we are, we have a job to do. And it was commissioned by the Lord himself. When you go to Matthew chapter 28, this nice is phone, isn't it? I mean, this uh, YouTube Matthew 28, and we go right to verse 18. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then he tells us what we're supposed to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we're both a people, and we have a job to do. We have purpose, and we have a command by the Lord of what we're supposed to do. So we don't have to be confused about what we need to pursue in our lives, what should be our main aim, what should be our goal. Okay? You know how we learn that? We learn by doing. Does that mean we don't make mistakes? Mm -mm. We make a lot of mistakes. You know, but we're in process, okay? And God has given us, um, you know, the Holy Spirit to help us in that process, you know? And, and I like to read a few scriptures that remind us of that, like Romans, verse 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, 
I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy, uh, yet as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's a process. We, we take the word of God and we're guided by the Holy Spirit through this process of becoming holy and being able to present to others what it, what it means to have a, a forgiven relationship with the living God. Um, and then I'd like to go to um, what our job is again, to be reminded of it. Let's see. I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians, if I find it, 2 Corinthians, verse 5, I mean um, 20, verse 20, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Now, this is again a reminder that we got a job to do, okay? It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. We have a job to do. We're the ambassadors of a great forgiveness. So we're all called to be missionaries. You know, there's always something we can do. Um, personally, uh, the Lord led me to go in, into uh, the Mahoney County Jail to uh, minister to inmates. You know, at first, you know, you're, you're scared. You've got these clanking doors and things like that. And, and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just, it was just me in a, in a classroom with the uh, inmates. So you have this fear that you have to get over. But you find the, the Holy Spirit, that's when the Holy Spirit empowers you to to do what you don't think that you could do, okay? And he frees you from those fears. He frees you from stepping out. It could be with your family. It could be uh, with people at school. It could be with people at work. See, we're all called to be missionaries. So I just wanted to encourage everyone to understand that we are God's chosen people. We have been forgiven. We have a job to do and we learn by doing. If we don't do, the Holy Spirit's not gonna empower you to, to do anything. But if you go and do, that's when the Holy Spirit will meet with you to help you to accomplish what God wants you to do. And what's at stake? What's at stake is eternal life. If you read uh, 1 John 5, 11 through 12, you'll know that uh, I could read it. It's quick. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. You know, when I first came to know the Lord, a backsliding Christian at work this was at work, not in a church, told me about how you need to receive 
the gospel, how you have to receive Christ as Savior, repent of your sins, and turn to his to be, make him Lord. So even though that he told me he was a backsliding Christian, but at that moment, he was obeying the Lord. And if you continue to obey the Lord, I, I think that he, he'll help you out of your sins so you become a better reflection of, of him in your life. You know, because you can't keep walking with the Lord and walk in sin. It just doesn't work that way. You know, and then all of a sudden you find that your sins aren't bothering you that much because the Lord has lifted you out of them. He wants to make all of us free from sin and a blessing to others because we've all been lifted out of darkness. And so we all have a job to do. And what's at stake is eternal life. And we have, we have the message of eternal life for other people. Isn't that a wonderful blessing to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ? Thank you, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Let me pray. Heavenly and precious Father, glorious King of kings and Lord of lords, thank you, Lord God, for using each of us this morning to proclaim your word, to proclaim how powerful your holy word is and how powerful your spirit is in with, is, is how powerful it is within us, Lord God. If we allow that spirit to do the things that you have called us to do, mountains can be moved. Heavenly Father, thank you for that. Thank you for what you have done in each of our lives. Thank you for your son, blood on the cross. Thank you, Lord God, that you have pulled us out of the darkness into this in incredible light. Thank you, Lord God, for loving us the way you do and teaching us how to be patient with one another and how to come alongside one another and how to build each other up, Lord God, so we can glorify you, not ourselves, but to glorify you. Heavenly Father, I pray for the words that you have given me today will do just that, that will build everyone up, Lord God, so that we can go out and proclaim how incredible you are. And we thank you, Lord God, for that. We pray all of these things in your son's name. Amen. A few years ago, I went through the C.S. Lewis Institute program, and it gave me the tools that I needed to take me from identifying myself as a Christian to living as a true disciple of Christ. So you might ask yourself, well, what's the difference? Well, I'm going to tell you what the difference is. Greg Ogden, just one of the many authors that we had the privilege of reading that year, said this, being a Christian is a noun describing who you are and what Christ has done for you. Whereas being a disciple is a verb, an action word describing what you are doing and what you are doing for Christ. Now, as disciples, Jesus' life and death demands our attention. His love and obedience toward his Father and the grace that showers over us because of it should overwhelm us and pressure us to live a life worthy of this gift of grace. 
But above all else, as disciples of Christ, we should be captivated by the presence and the power of the person of Christ. His love for us is supposed to be so irresistible, so overwhelming, that it causes us to flee from our old life and to seek and pursue him with all of our heart, with all of our mind and soul. Now, the foundational elements of a true disciple may be understood in four terms that can be found in Luke 9, 23 through 24. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now, four truths in this verse, verse 23, they are the foundation of a true disciple. And those four words are desire, denial, dedication, and direction. So let me explain. Desire. Right at the beginning of verse 23, it says, if anyone would come after me. The word desire is a conscious impulse towards something that promises satisfaction, enjoyment, pleasure, something to love or hope for. Now, if you remember, before Christ, we desired the things of this world, didn't we? 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. See, when we lived in darkness, we desired the evil things that this world says are good. But just like when Jesus appeared to Saul on the Damascus Road, he comes to us and he's slowly removing the scales from our eyes and revealing himself to us. Then we start to understand this unconditional love he has for us and what it costs him. And we become overwhelmed by him. And his love is irresistible that our only impulse is to run toward him, leaving our old life behind forever and ever. That's desire. The second, denial. Also in verse 23, Jesus says, he must deny himself. Now that word denial means to refuse to satisfy your earthly desires. And we do this by training our minds. And Pastor Brian has been talking about this from the first day he walked into this church about how we need to train our minds to think differently than when we lived in the darkness. And in Colossians 3, 1 through 10, let me read what it says here. Verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on earth. That's desire. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. That's denial. 
sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetedness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So those first two things, desire and denial, those are the first two parts of being a true disciple of Jesus. Now the third is dedication. Again, Jesus says in verse 23, take up his cross daily. That takes dedication. That is the hardest part of walking as a Christian, walking in your sanctification, is taking up your cross daily. And a perfect example of this is Paul. In all of his writings in Romans and Philippians and Titus, he starts off, he calls himself a bondservant, a servant of Jesus Christ. And now you have to remember, Paul was a Pharisee. He was a Roman citizen. So to choose to be a servant was unthinkable to them. But Paul chose to be completely dependent and obedient to Christ. In fact, he even wrote in Romans 12, 1 through 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your, your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that takes dedication. Now the fourth one, direction. Jesus says at the very end of verse 23, and follow me. Now that word direction means to be led, to be guided. It also means to pursue, to go after, to imitate. And a great example of this comes from one of my favorite movies called The Gladiator. I don't know if anyone of you have seen it. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch The Gladiator. It's a little brutal, a little bloody, but it's good. Now, Russell Crowe, he plays a character called Maximus. He's a Roman general. Now, the Roman Empire has been on a 20-year campaign which will come to an end with one last victory against the Germanian army. Now Maximus, who has been away from home for the last three years, knows that he will be able to go back to his wife and his son, that he misses them terribly, with one last victory. Now Maximum is well respected by his men for his fierceness and bravery on the battlefield, never losing a battle, never. Every man would follow him to hell and back. Every man would lay their life down for him because they respected him, they loved him, and they trusted him. Now, just before the battle, 
Maximum gets on his horse, and he is riding up and down the ranks. There's thousands of men, and they're cheering, holding up their, their swords, and they're cheering out his name over and over again. And he stops right in the middle, and he turns his horse toward them. And he looks at them, and he raises his sword, and he says, what we do in this life will echo into eternity. And he turns back around, and they charge into victory over the Germanian army. They had victory because they trusted him. And this is so true for anyone calling themselves a disciple, isn't it? That what we do here and now will echo forever into eternity. That we would allow Christ to lead and guide us into battle because he has earned our trust, our love, and our respect because of what he has done on the cross. And if we follow him, he will give us victory. Let me read to you from 2 Peter. It says this, 2 Peter verses 3 through 10. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this in verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to, conform, to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So true, a true disciple takes those four things. It takes desire, it takes denial, it takes dedication, and it takes direction. But we must understand so clearly we're not in this battle alone. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the one that we depend on always. As long as we have breath in our lungs, we should be growing in Christ. And the more you grow in Christ, the more victories you're gonna have in your life. And what we do here will echo into eternity forever. Amen. Let me pray. <sighs> Thank you.
Heavenly and precious Father. Oh, Lord God. There are times that, Lord, that uh, we do call ourselves Christians, but are we truly disciples? Are we denying ourselves? Are we dedicating ourselves? Are we desiring you more than anything in this world? Are we doing those things that you call us to do every single day, Lord God, giving our lives over to you every day? Are we doing the things that you have created us for, that you have saved us from hell, from Lord, are we doing the things that you have called us to? Lord God, shouldn't we just honor you with our lives every moment? Shouldn't we just get on our knees daily, thanking you for what you have done and to give us the strength to do what you want us to do? Lord, help us to die to self. That is the strongest battle that we have, dying to ourselves. Lord God, we need you for that. And you give us every single tool that we need to have victory there. Every tool you give us, we just have to pick them up and use them. Help us to do that. Lord, we need you. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.